Welcome to We Hear Her. I'm Erin Trenbeth-Murray, and I'm here today with another amazing woman who is sharing her story and insights into life lessons learned. Hi, I'm Erin Trenbeth-Murray, and happy to have you here today with the We Hear Her podcast um, for women who succeed. I am thrilled today to get to have Christina Chi, who has been a recent member of Women Who Succeed and has the coolest background because I, when I was reading her story, I loved hearing about her looking at what some of us would consider failures as true opportunities and pivots to the next level and stage. So let me tell you a little bit about Christina. She is the CEO of Data Bento, an on-demand market data platform. She formally founded uh, Domeyard LP, a hedge fund focused on high-frequency trading that traded up to $7.1 billion a day. Failing to earn a job after a Wall Street internship, Christina started Domeyard from her dorm room with $1,000 in savings about nine years ago. By a series of accidents, Christina became a voice in her industry, contributing to the World Economic Forum's research on AI and finance, guest lecturing at dozens of universities and teaching Domeyard's case study at Harvard Business School. She is grateful to be open about all of her mistakes and to help people turn theirs into opportunities. I love this part of her bio. It was so authentic. I, I must share it with you. It says, no amount of therapy has squashed Christina's imposter syndrome, but she will always be proud of her nonprofit volunteer work. And she has an extensive list of committees and boards and all kinds of initiatives that, that she has been engaged in over the years. I loved that she included, she says, one weird fact about me is that she's never had a full-time job working for someone else. She says her first job was teaching piano, and she was doing that to save money for a car. She says, I bought an old Pontiac, one of the ugliest cars ever made, and made it uglier by putting anime stickers on it. I sold it for $500 to help pay for college. Today, she lives in Utah with a slightly upgraded car, her dog, and her family. After a 12-year career in Boston, she's spending this decade, decade prioritizing friends, family, colleagues, and community. And so help me welcome Christina. Thank you for being here today. Oh my gosh, what an intro. Thank you for having me. <laughs> well, it's kind of, it's not that hard to give, I like cut out so much because I wanted to, um, you know, ask you some questions to learn more about you, but your background, what I want to start with is this level of resiliency and interest ability you have to pivot. Where did that come from? Did you learn it? Have you always been that way? Did you have a role model? Like, how did that get instilled in you? No. So I think, um, you know, just for me growing up, I think I was always a little bit of a perfectionist, um, both in school as well as like in my life. And I was so afraid of failure, you know, just that concept of failing my classes, my homework assignments, you know, things like that. Just, yeah. I don't know why, maybe, I don't know if it's just a girl thing or if it's just who I am or, or something, but that was very natural. Um, and I still remember even in college, by the way, the first time I got rejected from a job, I was applying to internships and, you know, people, companies would say no to me. 
And, You're and like, I remember, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> the first time a company said no, I still remember that rejection as if it was yesterday. You know, and I think a lot of people do when when you apply to your first job and you get your first no. I don't know why that one sticks the most. <laughs> like in yeah. your memory, you're like, oh, like people don't want me. Um, but then, like over time, I've learned, like, look, that's a natural part of the process, right? Pivoting and learning how to, you know, improve and getting rejected is totally normal. And if you, and one thing I've learned by now is if you're not getting rejected enough, you're not putting yourself out there enough, you know? And, and I think that's just one thing I've learned is like getting rejected is a part, natural part of the process. And so um, even for my current company, yes, I run the company, but um, we get rejected by everyone, you know, investors reject us. We've had vendors who are like, no, you're not the right size for us. You know, they don't want to work with us, um, especially investors though, you know, we don't, we don't want to invest in you. Right. And that's a really big, sometimes um, at first it was a big blow. I was like, oh, like I, you know, what did I do wrong? What did I say yeah. wrong? What am I doing? You know, um, but then over time you realize that's a normal part of the process. And um, after a hundred no's, you get a yes. And, and I'm sure same with, you know, applying yeah. to jobs, by the way, same thing, right? After a hundred no's, you get that yes or applying to college after a bunch of no's some college says yes out there and and you just know that's the one it's just meant to be um and, and i think that's the the amazing part is um, now i just call it i put it on a mountain i have a mountain of rejections over here and i just put that rejection on the mountain of rejections and then just learn to move on yeah. um learn you know to take constructive criticism when i'm given it and and just keep going and refining and improving for me it's improving my startup pitch so that i can hopefully get in, an investor down the road and so that's what I ended up doing and learning to, you know, accept those things and continue to pivot and improve. I had a really good conversation with a friend yesterday about leadership in general. And we were dialoguing how important it is as a leader to be able to accept feedback. And and certainly we're all good at giving or want to get we think we're good at giving feedback, but accepting feedback and having a mirror kind of put up in front of you can be pretty tough. It can sting a little bit, but it seems like um, I like your awareness that maybe it still does, it may still sting, I would assume, but you're able to cope with it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I try my best even for performance reviews when I'm talking to my colleagues. One of the more, more important things is that everything is always two way and that um, I hope that they would give me feedback before I give them any feedback. Mm. How am I doing? You know, is there anything um, that sh we should stop doing or start doing anything I can improve on, you know, whether professionally or even personally, if they notice anything, you know, yeah. I think that's so important just to be um, to have that open mind about like where everyone has good intentions when they give feedback, I hope. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, and so just being able to take that and, and move forward with it and know that, you know, you're not going to improve overnight, but just it's a process. But yeah, I absolutely agree. I think every leader should, a part of being a leader, I think, is knowing how to take feedback and being open to other ideas, you know. Yeah, that's and, tough. It's yeah. tough sometimes. Don't you think when you get win after win, when you get a series of wins and things are going so your way, you're like, I totally got this. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah. Maybe I don't have it all the way, but. Oh, for sure. All the time. <laughs> I feel like, you know, sometimes it's two steps forward and then it's like one step back. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> sometimes it's two steps back and, and then you have to just, you know, figure out how do we move forward from here and what can we do better and all the time. I mean, even for my company, you know, um, we're coming up with different products and new ideas and then we talk to the users and, and that's one thing that's mm -hmm. so important about, um, there's something in the startup world about being what's called lean, which is yeah. like, instead of just building, spending years building 
building a product and then you start selling it and you realize no one wants it, you know? And um, one thing that we can do in the middle is like, why don't we get feedback every step along the way, build an MVP that barely works, but get feedback along the way from potential users. Um, and so that, that way, you know, we know that we're building something that people actually want. <laughs> and so even feedback from users, you know, is, is so, so important, so yeah. Well, tell me, let's back up just a hair. So you were born in China. Came to the States when you were three. What brought your parents to the States? Yeah, so 1989, um, the, after the Tiananmen Square Massacre, yeah. actually, my parents um, decided, you know, that they wanted, um, you know, I don't want to say, like, they wanted me to have a better life, but it is kind of true. <laughs> like, um, you know, I was born, and they wanted um, just, you know, for me to grow up in a, a different environment. And so um, so then they came over, and um, they ended up going to USU um, up in Logan. And so that's where I grew up, was in Logan. Um, they waited tables at the Chinese restaurant. There's one Chinese restaurant at the time in like the 90s in town. And so that was, it was funny because after school, I would sometimes go to that restaurant and like that was where I just hung, hung out, out. You know, the Chinese restaurant in town. Um, and it was great because like, you know, my parents, they didn't speak English at the time. Um, and so, it was a, it was a good opportunity for them to to learn how to speak English and to I don't know just get a, acquainted with life in America, which is very different by the way, because they're from Beijing is like such a huge it's a very very big city, very crowded. There's a ton of people, um, and then coming to Logan was like right. you know it's like you're going to the countryside almost like for sure not a lot of people, um, and even the fact that there's only one kind of Chinese restaurant in town you know was like culturally very shocking um, for them right mm -hmm. to grow up. But yeah, so that was the environment I grew up in. Um, and I'm just really grateful to, you know, just um, the fact that, you know, the um, the government and the state were so supportive of us, you know, being immigrants here in the U.S. Um, and I've always felt very supported as an immigrant. I think that was one thing. And, and that was the only, like, it was the American dream, right? And now I'm able to start a company. I feel like the quote is like, what, like my parents, they, they crawled so I can walk or they yeah. walked so I can, you know, I can run or fly. And so... Yeah, it really does feel like that. <laughs> well, I think that it's interesting, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but I would imagine that that took incredible courage. I'm sure they had to have hit some, what in their minds, maybe failures or huge yeah. challenges to overcome. And that tenacious spirit yeah. <laughs> and drive from them must have carried through to you, sure. <laughs> who, what um, would you say that one of them or both of them, was there any life lessons that they told you that you're like, oh yeah, that came true. That was that was absolutely what my mom said, or that is absolutely what my dad said. Yeah, I think both of my parents have always taught me to to stay grounded throughout my life and like remember where you come from. And you know, and and I didn't even know this until I was older. They came to America with uh, fifty dollars of borrowed money, <laughs> and they had to return that money. And so they had like no money basically when they came. And um, you know that I had actually grown up on welfare. I didn't even know, by the way, when you're a kid, you don't realize any of this. Like all of right. my um, doctors and dentist appointments were free. My school lunch were free. I had no idea, by the way. And that was the amazing part was as a kid that I was able to, you know, be a part of society and that no one ever gave me the shame or for, you know, growing up in that environment. And and I think that's the one amazing thing about being in America, by the way, is like, I feel like there's this, this uh, almost, you know, like equal, I know it's, you know, it's not for a lot of people, but it felt like to me growing up that, wow, I had these opportunities, you know, and, and I think that was really great. So. Do you think that's why you give yeah. back so much now? Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, because I, I, you know, there's a quote like, oh, I give back because I know what it's like to, to not have, you know, anything. Mm -hmm. And I know, you know, just and, and staying grounded as well and making sure I'm a part of that community, right? And so, yeah, you're right. I think 
um, you know, even with my parents, it looks funny because I remember with my current company, um, we got a term sheet last year um, and I was so proud of it because it was like, you know, it was like $20 million and like it was just this huge these numbers I've never seen in my life, you know, and I showed it to my dad and, and my mom. And I remember both my parents were like, OK, but like, you know, just make sure you don't forget like where you're from and make sure that you don't this doesn't change you. They were worried that I was going to like, you know, yeah. become some spoiled like rich kid or something. And and so, yeah, that those are the things that they were more worried about. And they're like, yes, and make sure, like, you know, make, don't forget we have our game night next week. And like, you got to make you're supposed to bring mm. dinner. And like, you know, that that was what they cared about the most. Like, right. the term she didn't matter is more about, you know, they are you going to be here next Thursday? You're going to be here next <laughs> Thursday. Like, you're supposed to be cooking that day. Don't forget, like that kind of stuff. Oh, your parents sound so cool. Like, <laughs> congratulations. But okay, let's move like yeah, exactly. that, that the the things that are real that are right, important like in life this, and the true things, exactly. those values. Yeah. They're like make sure, you know, and like don't forget you gotta hang out, you know, hang out with your yeah, hang out with my middle school friends, <laughs> my high school middle school friends here in Utah. Yeah. You know, I went to college out of state, but you know, I did grow up here and so um making sure like, hey, hang out with your friends and like reach out to them and connections, you know, talk to them and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay. Um and so I think that's the one of the more amazing parts. It does keep me grounded, you know, and just helps me um, um, it's funny because outside of Utah, when I think about because I'm in this entrepreneurship business world, mm -hmm. right? And yes, I do have some friends who are, you know, billionaires who are from very wealthy kind of crazy backgrounds. A lot of it's because our investors are also, you know, some of them are really rich and famous and stuff. Um, we have a lot of like celebrity investors oh, as well, interesting. Um, which is like, like um, I guess the biggest example, the Paula Ono, you know, people oh, wow. like that. Where, nice. um, and I'm like, I'm from Salt Lake, you know? And he's right. Like, he did went to the to the 2002 Olympics, Olympics was mm -hmm. a really big deal for him and and um, but then you know here you know just like making sure my all my friends are just you know like me we're all I hope we're all regular people <laughs> you know what I mean like none of us are celebrities or anything and 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 I love that I like that it's grounded and like yes I could you know a lot of people when they become entrepreneurs they kind of um, live in this new world and they're just only only have like famous friends and stuff sure you get swept away yeah you get swept away with it but um yeah i try my best to just not know it doesn't really mean good much for you yeah, well so. that's good parenting right there <laughs> tell me so um one of the things that i wanted to ask you is what advice speaking of middle school and high school friends what advice would you give to young women that you wish someone would have just said X or said Y to me that that would have helped me to ease into my college, my college life. Yeah. You know, um, for me, I was one of those people where I had no idea what I wanted to do at all. If you asked me in high school or middle school, you know, like, hey, what do you want to do? And what do you want to be when you grow up? I, my answer would change every day. Oh, I want to be an astronaut or a doctor. <laughs> or like, yeah, I don't want to do anything. I just want to be a, a mom. You know, like I, my answer would change like every day. And, and that was OK. And I think that just knowing I wish that someone had told me that exploratory process and like, you know, I don't know is an OK answer, by the way. Even in college, I didn't know what I wanted to study um, until like halfway through college. And then mm. and then halfway through college, I didn't even know what I wanted to do until like I was about to graduate from college. And then, um, you know, I, because I didn't get an offer from right. my um, internship, they didn't give me an offer. And so, again, a failure, um, you know, in a, in a sense. And so my friend was like, why don't you just start a company? You know, and I was like, oh, that's a good idea. So, you know, just all these things just kind of came together in the end. But Out of your dorm room. Yeah. 
Oh yeah. my gosh. I, with a thousand dollars. Yeah. I earned that from the internship. And so, you know, I had that in my savings and I was like, well, you're right. I might as well just start something and, and do it on my own and see what, and of course, like, you know, give yourself a timeline, give yourself a deadline. Cause you don't want to keep on doing this and not make any money forever, you know? Mm. Um, and, and so yeah, reality still hits you after a certain point, but have yourself a deadline. And like, if it doesn't work by the end of the year, I can, you know, go start applying to jobs again and go back on the, I had gotten so many rejections by then from companies, you know? Um, and, and so just decided to start my own thing. So I love it so much. Well, is there any last comments that you'd like to share with the women or young women before we wrap up? Oh man. Um, you know, I guess one thing is, uh, there's no such thing as one career path for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, you know, yes, you could get a nine to five job and be totally happy. You can start your own company. You can, uh, just travel the world. You can be a, a mother, a single mom, or, you know, parent. And I think those are all amazing career paths and there's nothing wrong with any of those paths. And, um, and I wish someone had told me that too, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, that there's nothing wrong with whatever path you take. Cause I know, you know, for, you know, you see so many women out there who are doing very big things, whether in politics or mm. in the arts or in sports or they're influencers. And it's like, that, those are cool paths, but they might not be for you and that's fine. And um, and I think life is continuously about exploring those paths, not just throughout high school or middle school, but even after college, you know, yeah. even for me as an adult, I'm constantly pivoting and exploring those ideas and figuring out, oh, maybe I want to do, I was like, oh, maybe I want to write a book, you know, during the pandemic. And then, you know, so then that happened. I haven't actually published anything but like ideas like that you know just keep on coming up and just learning to to um keep an open mind about what could be next so i know you have to let us know when that book is going to get published but i would like to thank you all for joining us today with christina i mean you can see courage bravery flexibility just amazing to me i mean the 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 courage of starting the company out of your dorm room but then you're, that wasn't just like a one flash in the pan that you continued with other adventures. You're still trying to grow and expand yourself. So thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Well, join us next time for the We Hear Her podcast for women who succeed. I'm Erin Trenbeth Murray, and I look forward to seeing you again. Thank you for taking the time to hear her. Join our efforts and learn more about women who succeed at womenwhosucceed.org. A big thank you to our sponsor, the Clark and Christine Ivory Foundation.